that's three quarters of this episode knocked off. It's the longest episode in history. Okay. And, uh, oh, I'll tell you who else was knocked off today. And that's Sydney. But there wasn't much glory in it for Essendon. Uh, we had the win. We walked away with the four points. So we'll take that. Uh, and we worked hard, you know, we, um, we scrambled for that one. Uh, but, you know, winning by a, only a goal is not enough. Um, so we can't be doing that every... You know, we had, a, we had a, a win that was only by a goal last week and a win that was by only a goal this week against Greater Western Sydney and today, Sydney. You know, Greater Western Sydney, the Giants last week and Sydney this week. Anyway, two wins is good. Um, two wins are good and two wins is good. That, that works in both cases. Right, <clears throat> I think it does. Now, uh, so we've got three episodes knocked off and, you know, there was a different theme in each of the episodes. And this last episode is going to have a, a theme all of its own. And strap yourself in because it's going to be about skin colour, you know, skin colour. Um, for example, I'm pasty-faced and I've got freckles. I've actually got fairly horrible skin in my opinion, you know, but, you know, that's what my mama gave me. <laughs> I'm not African-American. I know you've been listening to me throughout these podcasts and you've been saying to yourself, is he African-American? American music, that's where it comes from. The blues had a baby, and the blues called it rock and roll. Okay. Uh, um, Alright, so this episode is going to be. Yeah, strap yourself in. Skin colour. Oh god, he's going to talk about skin colour. Why do we have to talk about skin colour? You know? Um, well, we don't, but uh, I just imagined to myself someone telling me you shouldn't talk about skin colour and I'm an Irish troublemaker culturally so I just imagined someone saying don't talk about skin colour you're only being divisive you know it's not about skin colour it's about culture you know or something like that or we should be ignoring skin colour you know skin colour is irrelevant uh, <clears throat> that just happens to be my kind of opinion uh, but what I think should be the case or shouldn't be the case is not relevant to these podcasts because it's not about that. It's just, um, yeah, it's just, it's not, you know, there's a difference between what you think should be the case. You know, people think such and such should be the case, you know, like Australia should be a multicultural country, but they don't phrase it like that. They say Australia is a multicultural country, you know, um, but in the minds of many people, it's not, you know. So when people say Australia is a multicultural country, they're trying to dictate what they think it should be. But they're saying what it is, you know. Um, and there's a big difference, in my opinion, you know. So somebody says, you know, um, that um, in Australia, everybody is equal. Um, well, what they're saying is we think it should be, you know, or ideally, you know, but it's, it's not, you know. Uh, so there you go. Am I right or wrong? You know. Anyway, so look, someone in my mind told me not to talk about skin colour because that's too touchy, you know. Actually, quite a few people told me not to talk about skin colour. And uh, I'm just making this up, but just imagine, you know. I've got a car full of people here actually by myself. I've got a car full of people here and um, someone in the back left hand corner, you know, in the back seat here has said, look, um, the more people talk about skin colour, the worse it gets. And then I say, yes, but I'm doing a podcast, uh, you know, uh, that doesn't care 
if it being the podcast. This is a podcast that doesn't care if this podcast is making things worse, you know. Um, and another person in the car says, the more you talk about skin, it's irritating people talking about skin colour all the time, you know. Now it just so happens I don't, you know. Uh, as it turns out, I, I reckon I'm remarkably colourblind in real life. Um, I have to be reminded about skin colour for it to be an issue. You know, this is me in real life. And maybe that's because I'm a little bit um, absent-minded, you know. And that is me. Um, and people say, um, oh, such and such, you know. Like I might have, let's say, let's just make something up. I might have a um, an Indian friend, you know, from the south of India. I think they're darker skin. Um, I think, all right. And, you know, this Indian person might be my friend. You know, I've been friends with him. But yeah, I've wor- I work with him, okay. And then someone says, so, you know, is it strange working with um, a dark-skinned guy? You know, because this episode, this this section of the episode is about skin colour. So I'm going to start talking in language that uses words like black and white, you know. Um, in real life, I'd probably groan and wouldn't talk about these things. But I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know whether I can pull this up, but I'm going to try. Alright, so in, in real life, someone might say, yeah, oh, right, yeah. So you two get along really well, you know, it's great. Skin colour. Um, you, you almost seem to... Um, it's not an it's not an issue for you, you know. Now, that person might be thinking that I might reply, yes, yes, you know, we made a pact, you know, and we said, listen, mate, you know, to each other. We said, I don't care if you're Indian. I, you're, I reckon you're a good bloke. And he said, well, I don't care if you're Australian. I think you're a good bloke, you know. Um, but with this friend of mine, this Indian guy, it, it, because I'm so absent-minded, and I really think I am, I, it didn't even occur to me that he was Indian, so to speak, because I've known him so well, I just forgot. Oh, rubbish, you might say. No, no, seriously, I kind of forget. You know, it's, it's just so irrelevant to me. It's not a case of, um, like I just said before, that, um, you know, the first thing I saw when I met this guy was his skin colour and and I decided to rise above it and make him my friend. It's not like that, you know. I might have just met him, g'day, how you going, what's your name, blah, 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 you know. And, um, all right, welcome to the team, you know, this is at work. And I, I might not have noticed, you know. Now, there are some people that will notice straight away. Now, that all sounded a bit silly then, maybe. If you're the sort of person that notices skin colour straight away, you know, and you may well be an anti-racist or a racist, you know, so either way, you know, the first thing you might do is notice skin colour, it's the first thing that pops out at you, you know, and already in your mind, you're making allowances, either in a positive or a negative way, for the fact that that person's got skin colour, and you are altering your behaviour slightly, or a lot, because of that person's skin colour. Now, that's probably true of racists and anti-racists, you know. Um, So an anti-racist, you know, might meet someone from Botswana. I like saying Botswana uh, because I don't know anyone from Botswana. Do you know what? I think I do. I actually met a guy from Botswana up in the bush one day. I was camping in the bush and a guy from Botswana walking past me, past my tent. It was a very strange conversation. I did not expect to see him there. And he had walked. He was walking through Lerdedurk. It's Lerdedurk National Park. Uh, The most bizarre thing. He just came out of the bush and he just kept walking. But he sat sat with us and had a chat for a while. Um, But I won't go on anymore about it. I could tell you a whole story there, but I digress already too often. Um, Alright, that's the only guy I've ever met from Botswana. So I like saying Botswana because it sounds good. Alright, so Botswana, Botswana, what was I talking about? Um, oh yeah, 
Um, I've been, you know, there's, there are some people, a guy from Botswana, you know, um, let's say you're interviewing people for a job. There are some people, you know, that, that I often think of in my real life as compassionate saints, you know, um, other people might call do-gooders, but that guy from Botswana walks in and suddenly the interviewer, because let's call it a she, she's a saint, you know, and she is, uh, she's passionate about um, the raw deal that people with dark skin have had, and she doesn't want to be one of those people, you know. Um, she knows that a lot of white people are racist, but she is determined. She number one isn't one of those people, and she's determined to um, to not be seen to be one of those people. It's part of her identity. All right. Guy from Botswana walks in looking for a job and says, "Good day. You know, my name's whatever. You know, Bob from Botswana. You know." And she's, "Oh, come in, come in, sit down. You know." And she's staring at him and she's smiling already smiling at him um, in a, and it's genuine she's not bunging it on you know she's she is actually a saint I'm not going to take that away from her she is a saint but um, and it's really kind you know being extra kind to this guy you know if you were recording the interviews and you recorded this interview she's being more kind with this guy than she was you know the previous guy was just um, an Anglo and he walked in, hi, what's your name? Oh, yeah, all right then. You know, Bob from Botswana walks in, oh, hello, have a seat, have a seat. Are you comfortable? All right, now this, this interview is, you know, don't be nervous, all right? This is going to be a, you know, we're all friends here and, um, you know, and um, all that sort of stuff, you know, so just be nervous. Are you sure you're ready? Now, okay, now if, and she might say to Bob from Botswana, look, if um, you don't understand the question, please just, just tell me and I'll ask the question again in a different way, all right? And um, and Bob, you know, who's actually never been outside Australia, because his parents from Botswana, says, oh, gee, thanks, yeah. And he's thinking, hmm, reckon I'm in here, reckon I might get this job. And um, meanwhile, the Anglo, you know, who was Terry, you know, <laughs> in the previous interview, she didn't do anything like that for him. Okay, so that's one sort of person who notices skin colour, and she would be an anti-racist in real life, um, and a good person. I am not going to say she isn't a good person, right? Then there's the opposite, who's the racist, you know? And I think it is racism, but you know, like my friend Raj, I had a friend Raj, who was an Indian guy, um, and the only reason I knew that was because his name was Raj. How does that sound? <laughs> All right. Um, and he said, um, well, you know, someone's racist, depending on what your definition of racism is. Okay, I love that one. All right, so let's just, let's just say he's a racist under some definition of racism. Um, this other guy who's doing interviews as well. And a guy comes in, you know, Mary comes in. Uh, no, sorry, Terry. Terry comes in for the interview. And he goes, hello, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Bob from Botswana walks in and the first thing he notices is Bob's skin, you know. Ah, where are you from, you know, that sort of thing, you know. Now, now he probably carries out the interview properly and perfectly and all that sort of thing. But um, he, the thing is, if you could get inside his head, you know, the skin colour is a big deal for him, okay. So there's your other guy. So there's two people where the skin colour is very relevant, you know. Um, but then there's another sort of person who we will have to call absent-minded, who's been doing interviews all day. Someone walks in and just doesn't see him. And you might think that's impossible, but it is true. Um, you know, just another interviewee, another Bob from Botswana comes in. Yep, righto, and uh, all right. So, you know, you might be doing an interview for a nursing job, you know what I mean? You say, all right, what do you do if someone gets a burn, you know? And you're just as bored with Bob from Botswana as you were with Terry from Coburg, you know, in the previous interview. 
Now that's an entirely different sort of person. Now, in real life, I have, I think I was more that person when I was younger, um, because, well, you know, I remember going to uni, and we had people from, you know, kids in our class, you know, we were kids, you know, you're still young when you go to university. Um, we grow up late these days. Now, we had people in our, you know, who, in retrospect, I now realise were from different places, you know. So we had um, a couple of girls from Mauritius, you know, and one who I dated, as it turns out. Um, not that that's relevant, um, but I'm just mentioning, you know, that it was just all in the mix, you know what I mean? And there was another girl from India, and so on and so forth, you know what I mean? Um, and um, beyond and above anything and everything, um, I... I can't quite remember, but if I had to swear on a Bible or something, I'm not sure that it registered with me all that much because I think I'm absent-minded and I was young. And also, I'd grown up in a small country town where I'd never met a dark-skinned person in my life anyway. But even when I got to uni, I had other things on my mind, you know. I was just there for fun, you know. I definitely wasn't there for study, uh, especially in first year, you know. So, when I went to university, it was all an adventure, you know, um, and it was all about the social life and all that sort of thing, and, you know, wow, you know, this is great, you know. Um, yeah, and the first thing you went to, you were, everyone was over at the pub, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Now, as the years have gone by, um, especially recently, um, I think it's since social media has come into play, and all that sort of stuff. The whole issue, I, look, there was huge racism back then, you know. Uh, look, when I was young, it was racism against wogs, all right? Now, you think that's a bad thing for me to have said just then. Wogs, you know what I mean? Because, but I'm married to Greeks, and, um, and, yeah, my wife is half English, half Greek, but heavily steeped in Greek culture is our family, and, um, yeah, we love it things like Wogs Out of Work and all those shows, you know, um, Wog Boy, you know, all those, now I spoke to a cousin in England, and I said, oh, we, we just, yeah, you know, I think I mentioned the word Wogs, you know, oh, being married to Wogs, at least you get good food, you know what I mean, and he said, you wouldn't want to say that here in England, I said, sorry, he said, you wouldn't want to say that in England, and I said, why not, you know, uh, no, I meant Wog, I said, in a positive way, you know, like, Everyone wants to be a wog, you know, like it's down in Ligon Street in, a, in Melbourne. Um, everyone wants to be Italian down in Ligon Street. Even the Aussies are trying to be Italians, you know. So it's wog culture, you know. It's a good thing, you know. Uh, the word has been turned around. Now, if you haven't had much co uh, contact with Greeks, Italians or whatever, and I've had a lot of, it, you know, a lot of it, um, contact with Italians too, um, you know, my kids are learning Italian and all that sort of stuff. But the point is, and, you know, I don't have two aunties. And, oh, I've got an auntie that lives in Italy, you know. But anyway, the point is, um, if you live in an Aussie bubble, a kind of 1950s Aussie bubble, or you're the children, you know, you're descended from that, you know, your whole extended family is in an Aussie bubble, it would sound odd to you because back in the 1950s and 1960s, the word wog was very insulting, you know what I mean? But in Australia, and this will lead to what I want to talk about in the fourth quarter, um, you know, this episode, uh, this uh, portion of the episode, but there came a time in Australia um, when the Greeks and Italians flipped it. They flipped it over. And I think it was around the time of Wogboy, which was um, a TV sort of comedy show, you know, because there are all these YouTube clips, you know, my wife has showed me, you know, she's a Wog, and, um, you know, um, hey, I'm an Aussie, yeah, g'day, yeah, I'm Greek, ah, you're a Wog, he says, yeah, you wish you were, you know, that's, that's how the Greeks flipped it, the Greeks flipped it, you know, um, and um, if you live in a bubble and you haven't been involved in that sort of sphere, um, it's probably still in your, in your world. To hear someone say wog might still sound like a bad thing. And you might have missed the flip 
right? Now, the Greeks and the Italians, you can ask my in-laws, the Greeks and Italians flipped it at one stage, and I agree that they did. Now, how they did that was, first through comedy, um, and there was, you know, uh, Giannopoulos, whatever his name was, um, Put out a show called Wog Boy, which poked fun at you know all the stereotypes of being a Greek. You know, um, he had a valiant, you know, <laughs> a hotted up valiant. You know, that was a, a, a Skippies and Wogs um, had that in common. Uh, we all loved sort of far, you know, V8s <laughs> um, or young, you know, young blokes. Uh, all, all the same on that. Uh, but the stereotype was the Greeks had the Valiants, you know, and the Aussies had the... Half the Aussies were into Fords and half the Aussies were into Holdens, you know, and that's the way it worked. Um, all right, but the Greeks flipped it, and the Italians too, I presume. I'm closer to Greeks. And um, it really did become the case that um, there were only two types of people, people who were wogs and people who wished they were, you know. And that's very strong. And a lot of us, oh look, a lot of us have been into Greek, Roman and Greek history anyway, um, forever. And, um, you know, there are there is such a thing, for example, as a Philhellene, if you know that word, you know, a friend of Greek culture, you know. Stephen Fry, the comedian, I think, would be the most famous um, Philhellene going around at the moment. But other Philhellenes include me, myself, you know, so even when I met my wife, you know, or, my, you know, the girl who would become my wife, um, you know, the fact that she was Greek, you know, kind of ticked a box, you know, but culturally, I think, um, and, you know, and maybe that's why, you know, uh, I, and Elvis, you know, Elvis, Elvis, you know, a whole, whole lot of sh uh, Elvis, you know, hound dog, <laughs> um, Google, Elvis portraits, for example, and Google Alexander the Great, right? Statues, something like that. Elvis, Alexander the Great. Have a look. They look the same, you know. So there's wogs and there's people who want to be wogs, you know, uh, who wish they were. Um, Elvis uh, kind of looks like a, a Greek god in a way, or a Greek hero in my book. And maybe that was part of the attraction. But anyway, um, so, um, so, yes, so, skin colour. That's what this episode's going to be about. I'm working my way towards it. Remember, this is going to be the longest episode in history. But if you live in an Aussie Skippy bubble, a Skippy Aussie bubble, a British bubble, um, you might have missed that flip, that flip where the Greeks flipped it. Now, they flipped it in more than one way, and the Italians did it in parallel too. Okay, and um, and I think the experiment. Did, I think um, you know, wogs out of work shows like that. You know, yeah. Look, does this sound bad to you? But look, you, trams. You know, it's 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 on in plays and things in the city. You know, wogs out of work and all that sort of stuff. You know, and wog boy. You can trams go past me and trains with huge billboards saying wog boy. You know, so it's it's not a. I don't know. And my cousin was kind of suggesting you wouldn't get that in England, you know, because people, I don't think they, they haven't got our, the Australian, the way Australians have integrated with Greeks and Italians, I'm not sure that's quite repeated in England from what my cousin is saying. Yeah. Now America has got a big Greek population. They had my big fat Greek wedding, didn't they? Um, so, but I think they still say, they don't use the word wog so much. Look, if you think I'm, you know, I'm wrong, um, Google wogs versus Aussies right now. And you'll see that there's this huge culture in Australia and it's only in Australia. Look, if you do wogs versus Aussies, it's Australian comedy, you know. All the clips that come up will be Australian comedy. I don't see it. Or maybe they're, you know, try and do wogs. All right, try this. Wogs versus English. And see if you see any comedy come up. 
I have not tried to Google that, but my bet is none. Now do wogs versus Americans. See if any comedy comes up. Now I have not tried that. Nothing will come up. Now do wogs versus Aussies. See if any comedy comes up. You'll get heaps. And not only one sort, heaps of different types of um, comedy around that, you know. Not only wog boy from the old days, but you know, even currently there's wogs versus Aussies, you know. And um, they're broadening it to include Lebanese and all that sort of stuff. And what they do is they get... they uh, Now, there used to be this way a long time ago in the 1960s, and we used to have this show called Kingswood Country, um, but it was written by Anglos, and it was poking fun at um, Greeks, you know, or Italians or whatever. And there was similar things in England... But it was clearly created by Anglo producers for humour purposes and the wogs that were brought in to do those shows were there, invited by the English, but the English or the Britishers, you know, whether that's in Australia or over in England, were driving the process. You know, they were the creative forces. They were, you know, so the comedy was, you know, uh, from that perspective, you know what I mean? But what was good about Wog's Boy and all that sort of stuff, it was made by the Greeks. Made by the Greeks. So it's around the other way. And then they employed Aussies to play the Aussies, you know. They, that might not be exactly the case. It might have been a, a partnership between the Greeks and the Aussies, but I perceive that the Greeks are running the show, you know. No, it was definitely the Greeks running the show, you know, in that case. Um... And, uh, and it, and, and the way that worked was to flip the word. The wog, suddenly, the word wog suddenly become a, became a desirable word, you know. Um, it was a, you know, if you were a wog, hey, you were all right, you know. Now, another way I sense, and this is only because I've been through, you know, sort of with, Greeks and all that sort of stuff since I can remember, you know, since I was quite young. I, I knew no one from any other culture um, growing up. Um, didn't know any Muslims, didn't know any Jews. I came from a Catholic sort of country town and went to a Catholic boarding school and the Catholic schools and all that sort of stuff. Look, when I was in primary school, I remember we had one kid called Alex, you know, and one kid called, and the other one was my friend. He was from Malta. He was Maltese. And they were the only two kids that weren't Skippies. Skippies means Aussies, means Anglo-Aussies, you know. They were the only two kids. Now, Alex was Greek now that I, you know, I, you know in retrospect, I realised he was Greek. I'm talking primary school. But those two kids stood out. But then I went into um, uh, secondary school, and I'm pretty sure everyone in the school was pretty anglo small country town, all that sort of stuff, Catholic, you know, um, mostly Irish, just about all Irish, sort of Catholic, um, mc this and oh that, you know, um, so not much, um, I can't believe, oh, Philip was the Maltese, oh, I won't say his last name because he probably, you'll listen to this one and say, hey, it's you, <laughs> all right, there was Philip and Alexander, and Alex, how about that, Alexander and Philip, just like, um, Alexander the Great and his dad, how about that? Now, they stood out. They had strange names too, you know, Alex and Philip. Um, uh, but I was friends with Philip. Uh, I haven't thought about him for years, you know, but there you go. And, um, and look, we did have some Italians around the suburb, but they're the only two I remember from my class because uh, they had lions on the front of the houses, you know. <laughs> they used to, yes. You'd have a normal Aussie sort of house, um, uh, and um, and then there'd be the, a lion on each on the left and right sort of gatepost. <laughs> anyway, so um, but back then, you know, they were wogs um, in not such a good way. Um, I was friends with Philip, so I must have I must have been pretty blind to all that myself. Um, look, I don't think it really mattered that much anyway. Uh, my wife's uncle says that, um, uh, 
that if Australia had the chance, it would have just uh, brought in Britishers um, yeah, after the war. Uh, but we needed more people than that uh, after the war to do infrastructure and all that sort of stuff. You know, the snow, the snowy you know, hydro hydro scheme and the railways needed a lot of workers so we essentially you know we put the call out looking for Europeans to come to Australia we had a pretty much a white Australia policy which doesn't include um, Greeks and Italians really you know it's it's more it's clearly signaling a preference for northern Europeans um, and um, but when we couldn't get enough of those people in you know Britishers and so on you know, maybe even a few Germans, bloody Huns, you know. Um, it's funny how we call them the Huns, the Germans, you know, in the war context, you know, the vile Hun, you know, um, because the Huns were a different mob altogether in ancient history. In fact, you know, the, part of the reason the Roman Empire fell way, way, way back in the crisis of the third century was Huns. The Huns swept out of the steppes of Asia, you know, uh, underneath, uh, you know, Russia, swept across the top of the German, Germany, you know, the Germanic lands, and started slaughtering Germans and pushing those Germans down towards Rome, the empire, Rome the empire, you know, modern-day France, and, um, and then they spilled into Rome as refugees, uh, all the Germans and the Huns that was because the Huns were slaughtering the Germans and now in World War II somehow we kind of call the Germans the Huns I'll have to work that out one day and that's actually a bit of a tricky one for me maybe yeah anyway I won't get into that right uh, maybe maybe we just called everyone from Germany on you know whatever they were Huns like uh, they used to call everyone to the east of sort of Hungary, we for a while we were calling everyone Turkish, you know, Turkish music, no matter what it was, <laughs> even if it was from Persia or whatever. Um, all right, now, okay, so the Greeks flipped it, and this is going to get onto skin, I'm going to get onto skin colour at some stage, but this is my long, long way of getting, you know, I like to dance around a subject I feel if you take a long time to do something, to get to a point, it doesn't come across as you pushing a point. Now, the fact that I haven't got any point to push, I'm just emptying my head, I'm not here to educate you, I'm here to just empty my head and mull things over and all that sort of stuff. Um, I have no instinct to be pushy, you know, I have no instinct to say it's all about skin colour, and I have no instinct to say it's all about not skin colour. You know, there are people you talk to, you might talk to, about subjects such as I'm talking about in this episode as a whole, who want to, you know, they're starting with a premise that it's all about skin colour. Imagine someone for whom it's all about skin colour, and no matter how you discuss the subject of, let's say, Indigenous Australia meeting Europeans for the first time, or, you know, Christopher Columbus coming to America, Captain Cook coming to Australia, all those sorts of things. No matter how you discuss it, modern politics, you know, um, the world economy, um, geopolitics, no matter how you talk about it, that person is always going to bring it back to skin colour. You know, that person is going to always bring... Now, my mate AB does that, you know. You might be trying to, even if I was talking about the relative merits of the American political system, you know, American political system, that's the political system of European America and the political system of European Australia, he'd be just, you know, and I'm trying to talk about the difference between a republic and a constitutional monarchy and all this stuff, and which one's better and all that sort of stuff. His eyes would glaze over, my friend AB. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad person for doing that. He's got, there's a very valid reason why he's doing what I'm about to say he is doing. Um, but he's, he's sort of thinking, and I think I mentioned, I used this analogy earlier in the episode. He's sort of thinking, I'm... I, I am not interested in the difference 
between European Australia and European America, you're all white and you're all part of the problem. The Whatever differences there are, I don't care about the differences. They are irrelevant to me because um, I think the entire topic of um, human relations in both those countries comes back to skin colour. So if you're going to talk to me about the relative merits of European, Australian political sort of ways of doing things and, um, and, and American, uh, European, American ways of doing things, you're missing the point, sporty. You know, this is what AB would say to me. Um, why, you know, um, let's get on to the real subject here. Now, what he's talking about as regards what the real subject is, is he's essentially waiting for just for to get past all this detail, this irrelevant detail, you know, about whether a, a, a republic a US-style republic is better or an Australian-style constitution is better and all that sort of stuff. Let's get past all that because we, um, what, we, what the real issue is, is whites, the relationships between whites and blacks in both countries, you know. And um, AB actually gay, you know, um, put forward, you know, uh, no, I won't say what he put forward, uh, but the point is, you know, he might, he, you know, whilst you're trying to talk about the relative merits of those two European political systems, he'll say, I'll tell you, you know what I think about the relative merits of that? Have a look at this. And he might put up a me, uh, an, a news article put, um, about the fact that only recently, and this is actually true, only recently did we have our first Indigenous Member of Parliament in Australia you know, who was also a member of the cabinet, we had our very first MP who was Indigenous only recently, and Australia is 120 years old, and only now have we got our first MP, you know, in the House of Representatives. Now, listen, this is what I'm saying. I'm talking about the relative merits between the Australian political system and the US political system, right, which are both European systems, right? They're different, they're very different. And as I'm having that discussion, he gives me an article and um, which says it took 20, 120 years in Australia for us to have an Indigenous MP, all right? And he says, and you know he might. And when he sends me that article, let's say by a text message, and he says, "What about this then?" Now this is an interesting thing, and this might be the crossover between the previous uh, quarters of this episode and what's coming up next. You know, I might make this the dividing line. Um, what he's saying there is irrelevant to the debate I was having in my head when I was talking about the pros and cons of European Australia and European America and their constitutions for him to point out that um, Australia uh, has not catered well to now black people because that's what he's on about, AB, black and white. He's very into black and white. And this episode is, you know, very much trying to get into black and white language because I'm not used, I'm not used to that. I mean, I'm, you know, it's not my thing, but I want to make it my thing for the purpose of this episode because out of respect for AB, I should be seeing things from his perspective as well. Right. Now, technically, in the way that I was arguing about the two different constitutions, you know, an hour and a three quarters ago in this episode, there, you know, the the um, relation, you know, the, the way they treated um, the black populations in the, each country is a sideshow. It's not that relevant, you know. But AB happens to be black. He's not um, Indigenous Australia, and he's not African American. He happens to be Ethiopian, which has got no 
no relationship really to those two sort of groups. African Americans tend to be um, descended from slaves, and you know, uh, and that all, and they and they have a colonial history, you know. Um, whereas Ethiopia hasn't got a colonial history; it was never colonized by uh, Europeans, and it was never, as far as I can tell essentially was never the slave never slaves either they were slave masters okay Ethiopians tended to be slave masters they weren't colonized either I know there was the Mussolini moment you know um, but you know and you know Italy did have a little adventure trying to um, play you know we are still ancient Rome you know playing a game of we are still ancient Rome and tried to you know, sort of say, we colonised Abyssinia, but they, I don't think they really colonised Ethiopia, you know. They got Eritrea, you know, and they got Somalia, I think, a fair bit. But I, I don't think any sort of colonisation grabbed in Ethiopia. Italy got into Ethiopia to a certain extent and quickly printed off a few maps that included Ethiopia on the, in the Italian Empire you know, but when I say Italian Empire, does that make any sense to you? No, there's no, there was never such thing as an Italian Empire. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a poor, uh, a poor excuse for an empire. You know, it was modern Italy trying to pretend to be ancient Rome or pretend to be the British Empire. You know, or the French Empire abroad. You know, but um, but A B. Yeah, that, that would be his criticism, you know. You're talking about the two, and, and this, you know, um, and, and this is where I want to make the dividing line. I want to shift from where I'm coming from. See, normally, I, you know, you would expect me to have an argument with AB, and I would say to AB, no, no, yeah, all right, I grant, I grant that, yes. Um, Africa, uh, European Americans completely smashed blacks in America. And they also smashed Native Americans, but that's a whole other story, you know. But yes, European Americans smashed um, um, Africans in America. Okay, granted, AB, I completely agree with that. And it, and and then AB say, and it was a lot to do with skin colour, you know. And I say, absolutely, it was. Yes, absolutely, it was. And he would say, and look at Australia, smashed the Aborigines. And I'd say, agreed. And he'd say it had a lot to do with skin colour. I'd say agreed, you know. Um, and I would agree with that. It's not just about culture. Um, I'll get to why I think that by reading some ex excerpts from this book I've got in my car called Biggles Takes a Holiday, you know, which was written by a British author called Captain W.E. Johns. And I read all the Biggles books when I was a kid. No, I probably didn't. I only think I did, but I read a lot of them, you know. Right. Um... I read every one of them that I could get my hands on. Okay, and we had a lot in our library, you know. And I don't think it would it would probably be illegal to have them in a library, in a school library now. Now that's interesting. Make sure I come back to that, okay? But, you know, all my teachers encouraged me to read Biggles books when I was a kid. And when I read some excerpts from Biggles Takes a Holiday, which I've got in the car here with me, you're going to wonder how it could be that good Catholic brothers would allow me to read a book like Biggles Takes a Holiday, which I'm reading again now as a 56-year-old and I haven't read since I was a teenager. Okay, and um, and now that I read it now, I think to myself, wow, I don't even remember it being this racist. You know, and I'm, not, I'm not just talking about, you know, Biggles, don't go near the jungle, there's gollywogs there, you know. There's that in the book. But that's nothing compared to other parts of the book. And, you know, and then you're going to have, an, we're going to have an ethical dilemma later about whether I should read out what's in the book, you know. Because on one level you should burn the book. But then if you burn the book, um, how is anybody going to know where we've come from to get to where we are now? You know, people will say, oh, come on, we weren't so racist before. And if you've burned all the Biggles books, how are you going to prove that you, they were? Like, imagine you know a racist, you know, and you say, listen, Europeans were racist in the 1950s. And, um, and, and, 
and you know he might say you know someone might say that Europeans were racist 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 in Toronto he says, no they weren't prove it and you say I can prove it all right I've got the oh no I burnt the Beagles books I can't prove it and then I'll say see we weren't racist and he said no no there was these books there were these books called Beagles books and they were racist 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 and I said well I show them to me he said no I burnt them all because they were that bad I said, so I've got to take your word for it. But if he still had those books, he could give it to me and say, read page 105. And then I might read that and go, holy moly. Oh my goodness. All right, that's bad. And, and you know, I might well say that, you know. And then, um, and, um, and then I might go, do you know what? It's a good thing you didn't burn those Beagles books. Because if you had burnt them, I would not have believed that. Now, I think this is a really important point. Now, for the same reason that I think it was a good idea that I didn't burn all these Beagles books, you know, as soon as I rediscovered them and discovered that they had this stuff in them, for the same reason that I didn't burn them, I also want to... Um, talk about them and even read excerpts from them in this episode now it's buried deep in the episode three hours in you know maybe four hours in so it's very deep in i'm not really trying to advertise it i'm not trying to glorify it or anything like that but i want to read some excerpts later and i haven't decided whether i'll read them word for word or not i probably won't i'll probably go bleep you know dot 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 where the words are really bad you know gollywog and wog in that con in the context of a Beagles book, is not that not as bad as some of the things the others, uh, you know. You know, for example, you know they're talking about all the gollywogs in the jungle, and they're saying and they eat each other, you know. But even that's not the worst, you know. It goes for far worse. All right, we'll get back to that. Now, um, yeah, and they say you know they they uh, well you can guess, you know. They're basically, the whole picture that the Beagles book paints is that the gollywogs in the jungle, um, and if you're offended by me saying this, you're missing the entire point of what this episode is all about, you know. Um, you're just missing the entire point, and if you want to miss the entire point, go for it and go away and listen to some other podcasts where you might get a sugar-coated version of what I'm trying to say, but, you know, if someone doesn't talk about this stuff, it's, you know, you're going to have no, you're going to be like that guy trying to argue with that other guy about how bad Beagle's books were and the other guy who was uh, progressive and didn't want anyone to be insulted, burnt the ball and now he can't prove anything and we don't know where we came from and we start to think that all this talk of racism was mythical, okay? And I think that's not a good thing. I think even my friend AB would say that's a bad thing. In fact, I think, unless AB is not as smart as I think he is, and he is a very intelligent person, so I shouldn't say that. But, you know, if he's a dummy, you know, and he and hears me talking about how racist um, Captain W.E. Johns was in these Beagles books, you know, I think he's cutting his own nose off to spite his face. You know, maybe he doesn't want to hear me say it. Maybe he wants he wants to tell me about it, and he doesn't want me to tell me about it. You know, but guess what? This this podcast is a monologue. It's not a dialogue. He's not invited to tell me about it. I'm here to just tell myself. You know, that's what this podcast is. Um, and that's just what it is. You know, maybe I'll interview people another day. Maybe I'll shift this podcast one day into interviews and I'll bring AB on and I'll say, you tell me, you know, and he'll say, yeah, because you've got no right to tell you, you know, you're a white man telling a white man yourself, you know, and um, it's not for you to tell you about this stuff, it's about me to tell you, you white people talk too much already, you know, but, you know, if people are going to say that, you know, look, I was born talkative, I'm like Kanye West, he said that, he said, I'm born talkative. He didn't use those words exactly. I know what words he used exactly. But, you know, he was born philosophizing. That's what Kanye said. And so am I. 
you know, I was born that way. And Kanye was criticised for talking too much around philosophy and all that sort of stuff. And he said, I was, I've just been, you know, it's an unstoppable force in me. I was born this way and it's an unstoppable force. So what are you going to do? Are you going to tell an apple to stop falling down when it comes off a tree? Are you going to say, listen, fall up? You know, you can't stop Kanye talking. You can't stop me talking. I actually personally don't think it's got anything to do with skin colour because Kanye West is black and I am white. There you go. This is a white, black episode. I'll stop there, but there is a dividing line there that I was talking about, but I'll stop there because I have to stop because I'm picking someone up in a few seconds. And I'll, I'll pause this one here, but we are in the fourth quarter. And did I mention Essendon won today? I did at the start of this episode. Uh, and I'm on my way back from the footy and I'm picking up my kids and then blah, 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 going back to Essendon. And um, maybe I'll watch the replay. Okay, we'll finish this thought later. Just remind me to come back to where I am going to shift from... Actually, I can't remember what I was going to shift from. <laughs> I'll remember later. Okay, but I'm, I'm, we're shifting from one sort of way of thinking. Oh, remember, we're go all right, remind me, I was talking about, we're going to imagine I'm waffling on at a party about whether Australian, European Australian politics is superior to American Australia policy, politics, and I might be doing that in the context of, you know, a lot of people talk about whether Australia should go to a republic, you know, and I might be at a party arguing that it wouldn't be a good idea because a constitutional monarchy serves us better than um, a, an American-style republic, at least, and, you know, I might express a worry that if we did go to a republic, we might go to an American-style republic, you know, and I might be there just talking, talking, talking about, listen, I think we should stay a constitutional monarchy, it's not about the Queen, it's not about loving the Queen, you know, it's a bit like the way I go to Mass, and I do, I go to Mass, but it's not about Jesus, I go there for a historical sort of cultural experience, you know, I love listening to the letters of Paul, you know, because it's, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, and all that sort of stuff, you know, I like the political aspect of the Bible, and all that sort of stuff, you know, and I like, you know, I like dropping myself back in ancient Rome when I go to Mass, you know, so when I'm talking about politics, you know, um, so I might be talking about, um, um, you know, and I might be saying, listen, I think we should keep a constitutional monarchy. And they say, why do you want to keep the Queen? I say, I don't want to keep the Queen. I want to keep the constitutional monarchy. That's a completely different thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the system. I'm not talking about the Queen or even the institution of the Queen. You know, the, the Queen is something that our constitutional monarchy employs. She works for the constitutional monarchy. You know, she's a slave to it. You know, I might be talking along these lines and I'm talking and talking about, but I'm, you know, everything I'm talking about is one European system versus another European system. And then AB cuts in and says, hey, you're missing the point. What's really the point is the treatment of white people, uh, the treatment of black people by white people. I went, and then I'd say, sorry? Well, he said, I've just been listening to you for the last half an hour, waffling on about two different white political systems you know, white political system, Europe, uh, European Australia versus European America. I've been patiently listening, and that's not even the issue. I said, what are you talking about? And this is the dividing line. And he says, you're missing the point. All that matters is what white people do to black people. I went, oh. You know, and then the room would go quiet. And I said, um... Actually, no, I wasn't up to that yet. I, you know, I'm happy to talk about that separately, but that's a separate sort of issue. He says, no, it's not. It's all about that. And then I start to get confused, you know what I mean? And the whole room is just looking at both of us. We're friends in real life, but don't worry about that. I'm just hypotheticalizing here. Um, and I say, all right. You know what, AB? I have been talking about that for long enough because I do talk too much. I'm going to drop all that, and I'm going to go with the AB plan. And that's what I want to do in this episode now. Without further ado, I'm going to drop all that talk. Um, I still hold, you know, I still hold the idea in my head that it is valid to talk about the two different European political systems parking the black-white issue. You know, I do feel you can talk about it. I honestly do feel you can talk about it. It's good to discuss one thing and then the other thing, and then put them together, maybe, you know. Um, so I don't think AB is right on that. 
I think I, it is a valid thing to discuss which white politics is better and which set of white laws are better. It's not stupid or irrelevant or anything. It is, it is something to talk about, you know. But him being a black man, because he himself identifies himself as a black man, so, you know, I have to respect that. And he identifies me as a white man, so I'm going to drop in, I'm going to walk a mile in AB's shoes now, and everything's going to be about black and white, okay? I'm going to make a red-hot attempt at making everything about black and white. So no matter what I'm talking about, even if it's the weather, I'm going to relate it back to black and white, because AB rather does that, you know? No matter what you're debating, well, not the weather, you know, but whatever you're debating um, in politics, economics, um, social sort of things, anything to do with socials, you know, social society, anything to do with human relations, um, he relates it back to, he's waiting patiently till it, it, it starts becoming how that relates to blacks and what the whites have done to them. Okay, he wants to, he wants you to get to that point because that's the goal, you see. And the goal. It's like a born again Christian, no matter what you talk about, um, the end of that conversation will bring it all back to God. Okay? And it's a very soon you know, you get what I'm saying here. Um, if you're speaking with a born again Christian, it doesn't matter what you're talking about, it can be science, it can be, you know, racing cars, it could be anything. And in the end, it's, it's, it's pulled back to God, you know. God gave us racing cars, you know, that sort of thing, you know. You could be talking about the discovery, you know, uh, the discovery of um, 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 vaccinations, you know, vaccinations, you know. Madame Curie and all that sort of stuff. And he'll say... It's because God was working through Madame Curie, you know, um, and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, I mucked that up, didn't I? Machine radiation. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was I was thinking about more what I was saying. Uh, Howard Florey. He's the one that springs to mind with vaccinations. <laughs> Madame Curie. You know. Madame Curie. She did a grand tour of America once, and um, I was listening the other day and. She accidentally set the, and I was listening to a feminist talk about it, and she accidentally set the cause of feminism backwards uh, because she was so good, Madame Curie. Um, apparently, when she did her grand tour of America, uh, she kind of set the women in science sort of um, push backwards a bit because she was seen as absolutely aberrant, you know, because, you know. She was so amazing, you know, two Nobel Peace, two no, no Nobel Peace Prizes, but two Nobel Prizes for science. Um, yeah, in a strange sort of reverse sort of counterintuitive way, she set the, she set things backwards a little bit, unfortunately, when she should, when everyone kind of expected she was going to make it better for women in science, but it didn't quite work out that way. Isn't life funny? All right, but do you get where I was going with AB? Um, he, you know, if I was talking to a born again Christian, that born again Christian would say that the end result of whatever you're discussing or debating or having a dialectic upon or whatever, whatever you're discussing, ends up coming back to the role of God in the universe. All right, you got that? Now that's one way. That's if you're talking to a born again Christian. Okay. You might be talking about something and you think that's got nothing to do with God. You know what I mean? You know, Essendon playing Sydney today. Nothing to do with God, you know, technically. You know, because, you know, for example, there were Indigenous Australians playing playing today. You know, Tipper, you know, one of my favourite players, along with the Biter. The Biter. You know, that's uh, McKenna. Yeah, I love McKenna. He bit a dog once. Uh, uh, don't ask. Um... And, um, and, you know, the, it, it, that game today that I went to, glory to God, I Essendon won, you know what I mean? Somehow you'll bring it back to God. Now, the same thing goes with AB. Everything comes back to the treatment of black people at the hands of white people. So he would have gone to the football today and said, 
where are the Africans? You know, there uh, one African was playing today. He's fantastic. Alir Alir is his name. Uh, he's from Sudan. But he, if I'd have gone to the football with AB, I reckon he might have leaned over to me and said, would you look at that? There are 40 players out there and only one of them is black. 